the, trying to hear from the Lord and make sure what I'm supposed to say, but when Pastor Larry was praying, <clears throat> um, there was great involvement in the churches behind what we were doing, and that's awesome. But there was a greater involvement response from the crowd when he started praying for rain. And, and I thought, that's awesome, you know, we had a great response today, but Lord, what they responded to the most was they needed rain, uh, physical rain upon the land. And I said, Lord, why is that drawing more excitement than, or again, I don't mean this bad, but more excitement than, than the rain that will be poured out through this group. And, and the Lord really hit me is because this affects everybody. The rain here, the lack of rain has affected everybody in this room today. And the Lord reminded me that salvation, the kingdom of God, affects everybody in this room today. And it's just as important, it's more important than the rain that we desire. We need the latter rain of God's Holy Spirit to move across this land because it's dry and desolate. We need a move of God on this land like we need rain on the physical land. And, and again, I don't say these things to rebuke you today at all. I'm not saying that, but the Lord started ministering to me. We need to be that aggressive with the message of God because it affects everything around us, whether we realize it or not. And I'm excited about that because it kind of gives confirmation. I've been back and forth between two different sermons and mainly because I'm out of Hosea today. And Hosea, to, to get the message from Hosea, you just about have to read the whole book, which is 13 or 14 chapters. And the time doesn't allow for us to, to cover it, so I was apprehensive to cover it today, and I thought it would have been a lot easier just to use this other. But the Lord keeps telling me to stay in it, so we're going to, and I don't know where it's going to go today, but, but we're to look at the book of Hosea on a way that, that we can be ministering to those around us. The way that we can be ministering to the dry land around us. And you say, well, I've never had Hosea, the book of Hosea, really talk about that. But, but yet that is the message of God's love and God's forgiveness for mankind. We're just going to read chapter 1 today, but I'm going to be through all the book. And in any way, chapter one kind of sheds light on what we want to say. But the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzer, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, uh, king of Judea, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And we see in this chapter, this verse, excuse me, that that, that Israel separated. You got Israel. You're going to hear Israel called Ephraim. You're going to hear Israel called um, Samaria. But you're going to hear those three names. But then you got Judah. So they're divided now. The kingdom's divided. And God is specifically talking through Hosea to the king of Israel. And so when the Lord first spoke for Hosea, the Lord said uh, to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of a whoredom and have children of whoredom for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And so that gets us back in. The land was dry. They were in whoredom. Use the word three times that, that they were committing adultery, if you will, against the Lord, that they were seeking everything but God. 
And so verse 3, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblom, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I'll put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, call her Name no mercy, for I will, uh, for I will no mer- will no mercy have, so will no mercy have mercy on the house of the more mercy. Be back up. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> Actually, I'm caught up. You guys know your pastor's not perfect. Uh, if anybody thinks I'm perfect, I'm not. Last week I told you that man, I must have had a miracle in my life. Uh, I could see. And I was without my glasses, without my contacts for four days. And anyway, I did not wear contacts all week. And, and I thought, praise God, I didn't even pray for this healing, but I'm healed. And I was walking in that, and me and Karen, she wanted me to meet her at the pool Thursday night. And so I went and met her at the pool, I guess that was Thursday night. And, and I'm swimming and having a good time, and and I keep feeling something in my right eye, and I'm thinking, man, is my lens tore on my eye? Because I could feel something flapping in there. Get to my car, pulled out a contact. Oh. <laughs> I felt stupid. Um, um, last week, I told you I had headaches on Thursday, Friday. The reason I had headaches is because I had double prescription in one eye. Contact on top of another contact. Um, Felt really stupid right now telling you all this. I'm not perfect. And I'm embarrassed, you know, uh, but uh, uh, of it all. But through it, uh, you know, I learned a lot. I sure did. I learned a lot. That except a miracle, whether you asked for it or not. <laughs> but, but anyway, now let's get back to this tongue twister. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name, No Mercy, for I will have no mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I'll have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had winged No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people and I'm not your God. Yet the number of children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in a place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and they shall appoint for themselves one head and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Father, take this uh, uh, bud, if you will, and make it clear. Father, your word, make it clear to us today. And let us see, Lord, how much you do love us, how you do care for us, and that how you are desiring to be a part of our life. But Father, we lay our hearts before you today and ask that you do work on us, and that we would be closer to you at the end of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, the first point of the sermon today, and if you're following along on the church app, you got to fill in the blank, but 
but we are without excuse. And, and I wanted to, to clear up here that, that we see that, um, that uh, Hosea and Gomer had three kids. Uh, the first kid was, was actually Hosea's kid and Gomer's kid together. The second kid was from another guy, okay? And the third, or the third kid was from another guy. So keep that in mind as we're going through this today. But, but again, the first point, I call it without excuse. And, and we look at this that, that I got to think, and again, we're talking about going into the world and telling people about Jesus Christ. I hear every excuse under the sun. But, but Hosea, if a man had an excuse not to go speak the word of the Lord, to me, he did. How would you like to go speak the word of the Lord to a congregation of people that your wife is sleeping with the men in the church? Think about that. Hosea was sleeping, or uh, Gomer was sleeping with different people in the Israelite community. And, and he had to go out and minister in that. He had to be a part of that. But he didn't let it fail him. He didn't let it keep him from doing what God called him to do. I want to give you kind of an idea as you see that, that, that they said in the word there that Gomer was a whore or from whoredom. Uh, I don't think, and if you look it up, that, that she was actually a prostitute that he met or, or saw in a whorehouse. But, but what we see here is that she was from the northern kingdom, which was a land that was said to be of spiritual adultery. We see that regardless of whether she was a prostitute or whether that she was just a, in the land of spiritual adultery, that she was, was deeply affected by the moral laxity of the community around her. In other words, she had give in to the worldly ideas. And whether she was at that point an adulterous woman and, and into that type of thing, we see that this marriage started off beautiful. Man, the, the Lord was upon it. They had a beautiful son. The Lord blessed them with Jezreel. And, and, and the thing that really probably hit me the most was the name of Jezreel, what it meant here. Let me look it up here. I think I wrote it down. But it meant that, that God scatters, that God uses him to prophesy this vision over Israel that Hosea had. And, and you think of that as a father, any father would want their son to raise up and follow in their footsteps and fulfill what God has put upon their heart. So you see there, maybe he was excited. Maybe he was on fire about what the Lord was doing in his life and, and his wife and his marriage was doing really good. Maybe he was full of joy in the beginning that the prophetic message of God was going out. But we see after the birth of Jezreel, uh, we, we see a change in Gomer. We see a change that, that maybe she got restless or unhappy. Maybe she felt like a, a bird that was in a cage. You know, he went out preaching and encouraging the wayward nation to turn from their sin and, and to trust God for deliverance and, and to move back to God. Whereas maybe Gomer seemed less interested in his ministry. And maybe she began to resent it. Maybe she even probably accused Hosea of thinking more about the pulpit, the preaching than he did her. Maybe she began to find other interests to occupy her time. And she spent more and more time away from the house. 
Then we see that again, she had a daughter out of, 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 with another man. She had a son with another man. And so again, as we're setting the stage today of the story, and we see what Hosea was dealing with, what Israel was dealing with, what God was dealing with, we see that it didn't affect Hosea, that he continued down the line. How many of you could preach? You know, I, I don't think if God forbid my wife would ever do those things that I could get up in front of you on Sunday morning and preach the gospel. Or, or if my family was in failure and moral decay, could I still preach the word of God? Could I still get up in front of you and do what God's called me to do? And I think of this Hosea there that, that had all these, these things that he had to deal with. And I'm nervous to get up in front of you today and tell you that I messed up and left the contact in. How we let things affect what God's called us to do. When he simply said, go ye into all the world. God knew that you weren't perfect. He knows that I'm not perfect. But as pastor prayed, he's gifted each and every one of you in here today to touch lives in your families, to touch lives in your friends, to touch lives in your church family, to be that example, to be that person that can show them that we're going to get through this together. We are without excuse. God has called us to a dry land and we need to be excited about that. And we need to pray for the latter rain, the rain of God to come down on this community. And, and guys, we need to be praying and believing for more than a hundred souls. What about a thousand by December? But we're without excuse. Point number two, what I see in this story is there's a false sense of security. And again, I'm really changing gears on you here, but, but we see how Hosea is, what he's having to deal with. The community, the surroundings around him, Israel was in a time of prosperity. This is 760 years before Christ. Jeroboam II was the king of Israel. Man, he had done military exploits and extended Israel further than they had been since Solomon's time. It was a glorious kingdom. The people of Israel were enjoying a period of unprecedented prosperity, meaning they didn't deserve it, but they were being blessed all around them. But with prosperity, I believe, comes more on spiritual decay. We got to be careful when we are prosperous because we begin to forget about God. When we're healthy, we don't pray because we don't need a healing. Uh, when, when, when our family's not in turmoil, we don't pray because our family's good. When I don't need a dollar, but I got $10, we don't pray as much. We need to learn to pray to God without ceasing and to seek that relationship with God without ceasing because society can give you a false idea of security. Whenever things are good around you and things are going great, you need to be careful and the reason I say that today is, is because America, I believe, has gotten caught up in secularism, secularism, the separation of state from religious institutions. That's what we saw back in Jeroboam here, in chapter, Jeroboam 2 here, in Jose. Man, they were, they're saying, separate church and state. We don't need God anymore. We're prosperous. And then the other thing you see is materialism. 
a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Maybe that's what the Lord was trying to tell us in the beginning, that we were more excited for the physical reign than the spiritual reign. And, and I don't get onto you by that today, but I just heard more of a response because it affected us all. And it's needed and it's a passion of ours when it needs to be the same way spiritually. But we get so caught up in the things and the materialism and the secularism that, that it forms a false sense of security around us. We see that Israel had captured this and that's the way they were. We see a pastor's wife was, was sleeping with the congregation. You know, well, that's not what it was. That's really what it was. He's a prophet of God that spoke the word of God. And his wife was sleeping with the people he spoke to. The congregation was committing spiritual adultery, Hosea 13.2 says. And now they sin more and more and make for themselves metal images, idols skillfully made of the silver of all them that work of craftsmen. It is said of them, those who offer human sacrifice kiss calves. And we're back to that golden calf that, that's still lingering around. Anytime Israel, or a lot of times Israel would be in times of prosperity, that old golden calf would come back up and kick his heel. And then that blows my mind. How could anybody worship a calf? Well, they probably think, how could anybody worship a phone? Think about it. Can we do that our phones for a day? We can sure do that praying for a day. But anyway, this grieved the heart of God because God blesses his people. God is with his people and the results of that are blessings. And when the people began to pursue the blessing instead of the giver or seeking the gift instead of the giver, it grieves the Lord. It grieves the heart of God because God looks at us as we would our wife or as I would my wife. God looks at you, Billy, as you would Jeremy. He, he, he loves you, and he's in a relationship with you. And when you're looking at other things and doing other things and ignoring him, it, 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 it burdens his heart. It grieves his heart. Isaiah 61.10 says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God rejoices over you as a relationship, as a husband and wife, if you will. And God said to us, you shall have no other gods before me because he wanted to be number one in your life because he's your number one in his life. He cares for you. But we see that Israel constantly has problems with this. We see all through the book of Judges, all through the Bible that, that Israel struggled for, with this. That when they were getting blessings, they were getting uh, gifts from God, they began to wish, worship the gift instead of the giver. And guys, that to me is where America is today. That when we worship the gifts, the blessings of God, and, and we're forgetting about who that giver was. And I believe that America is in, in really in headed in a good, not a good direction. Again, why we need men and women, prophets of God, to stand up and say, hey, hey, let's not forget. Let's not forget who the Lord is. Let's not forget God's called us to go all into the world and preach his gospel. But Hosea 
He gave us an instruction manual. And, and how to respond, point number three, our instruction manual, how to respond to idolatry, secularism, and materialism. See, God, in, he was using Gomer and Hosea as an object lesson of his own relationship with us, with his people. The names that he gives is kind of neat. Uh, Hosea means salvation. And I want you to just remember these things as we get into this area. But Hosea means salvation, or he saves, or he helps. Gomer means to complete. And I really want you to, I won't spend a lot of time on these, but I want you to think about it because you'll see how that these names fulfilled what happened. Jezreel means God scatters, or God's judgment comes and God scatters. Again, that's why I think that Jose may have been so excited that I've got a son coming on with a vision of God and God's blessed me with a son to follow me. But then the daughter that was called No Mercy that was conceived out of another man, the son that was called Not My People conceived through another man. So obviously here, Hosea, obviously God hates sin. We see here that sin, and we're going to get into it here. We've already seen it anyway, but we'll see it all through the scripture, that sin will stir up the wrath of God against you, and God will have no mercy because you're not his people. That's the names that was used here today. But guys, you say, man, there's a God that's a damning God there. A God that, that's wanting to destroy these people. Well, if you read the book, book of Hosea, that's not what it was about. That's a result. That's why we're here in this earth right now is we're determining our destiny. And if we don't receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the wrath of God will come against us and we'll have no mercy because we're not his people. But if you choose him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. God desires you. He desires all to be saved and come into knowledge and understanding of him. And it was no different back then. You know, you see the jumping around the scripture when I was tongue twisting it at the beginning. But we see here that Yet the number of the children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. In other words, God's blessings were going to go forward. Will you be a part of that? My blessings are going to go forward. The word of God's going to go forward. The kingdom of God's going to go forward. Israel, will you go with me? You see, that was just a group of a certain time. But he wanted all people to be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. He says, and the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered and they shall appoint for one, themselves one as head and they shall go up from the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. We see that God's moving forward with his plan, but he's wanting all of us to look it out and he's wanting us to, to help others see that God desires them. Instead of beating around the bush and try to explain it myself here, let's just talk about Hosea. 
We see that Hosea hated sin. You know, we need to hate sin but love the sinner. We see of the names, he, he was upset. Uh, he gave him the names, no mercy. He gave the names, not my people. Obviously, he wasn't happy with, with his marriage. He, he wasn't happy with his relationship. He didn't like the sin, he hated it. But we're going to see in the scripture that he loved Gomer. In Hosea 2.2, he pleaded with her. Man, he pleaded with your, he said, plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife and I'm not her husband. He was pleading for her. He wanted her in Hosea 2.2. In Hosea 2.3, he threatened her, least I stripped her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and kill her with a thirst. In other words, he was trying to threaten her back into the relationship. Man, we don't do that with people we don't like. You know, when, when me and Karen are working out things, you know, we say things we don't want to say. We plead. We, we do things that, that aren't good sometimes, but we do it because we love each other. You say, oh, I'm not buying in yet, Pastor. Hosea even tried to stop her at one time in Hosea 2.6. Therefore, I will hedge her up with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her pass. I will put where she can't leave. About 2.7, Gomer finally ran off. She pursued her lovers. She pursued the world and, and they overtook her. But driven by love, Hosea began to search for Gomer. Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. We see that he found her ragged, torn, sick, dirty, unkept, destitute, chained to an auction block in a filthy slave market. A repulsive shadow of a woman she was. Hosea 3, 2 says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer, and Alekatha Barley, meaning she had become a slave. She had given herself over to slavery and couldn't live anymore, and she worked for somebody. But he loved her so much, he went and paid the price for her. Then he said to her in Hosea 3.3, You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man so I will also be towards you. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? He pursued her and he loved her. And again, Hosea was a type of God in this passage that, that God was relating this, what was going on in Hosea's life was what was going on between God and Israel. And again, bear with me here today, guys, because I'm trying to preach 13 chapters here. The best thing is to, is to read them all yourself. But God desires that all people would be saved and come into his truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, and we see this even here. In Hosea 6.4, God's response. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim, meaning Israel? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. In other words, God is saying that you love me today and then tomorrow you don't. You're all over the place. What do I do with you? Hosea 11.1, 1, but God never stopped loving Israel. 
When Israel was a child, I loved him, and, and out of Egypt I called my son. Hosea 11.4, I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. So we see God leading and, and, he, and he taking care of his people. How can I give to you in Hosea 11.8? How can I give you up, O Ephraim, again, Israel? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admar? How can I treat you like Zephalim? My heart recalls with me. My compassion grows warm and tender. You see, the Lord has love and compassion for the people. Again, the Lord pursues. God desired that Israel would repent and receive salvation. Again, Hosea means salvation. He wanted them to turn to him. Hosea 14.1, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord, says Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with the bulls the vows of our lips. So we see the message that goes out. And Jesus came to fulfill that message that Jesus came after us because he loved us. God demonstrated his love for us and that while you were yet sinners, I was a sinner, Christ died for us. God loves us and desires that all be saved. We need to repent and turn to him. And, and that's the message that we have. That's the message that we're to take to the world is God's love. And it's all through the Bible. His love and his forgiveness. And Hosea is the perfect example of how we need to preach the word, point four. That we need to preach this word because we love people. And point five, and walk in that love and forgiveness as you witness this story. And that's what the Lord has really laid upon my heart today. That, that as we walk through this, a lot of times we don't feel worthy or we don't think we measure up. But God wants us to walk through this in love and forgiveness, telling everybody about the love and forgiveness of God so that they would come to repentance. But yes, the ugly fact is anyone that doesn't come to repentance will be separated from God. They will have no mercy. They will have none of the benefits of God. They will spend eternity in hell. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. I don't have any places to minister I don't have any places to walk in love and forgiveness that you're talking about today. Do you show your wife the same love and compassion and forgiveness that Hosea showed his wife? Man, today a wife messes up, we just divorce them. Maybe after three or two babies out of another guy, maybe you can think about it, according to Hosea. He loved and forgave her. He pursued her. Man, can we love our lives, wives like him? A lot of us would be so embarrassed that we couldn't even preach it, but he continued to do what God called him to do. You see, God has called the husbands to love your wives 
as Christ loved the church. Christ gave his life for the church. Hosea gave his life to God and his wife and the congregation. He was a type of salvation just like Christ is the salvation. Husbands, what's our witness to our wives? Is it love and forgiveness? Wives, you're not off the hook. It says first off in Ephesians 6 or 5.23, submitting yourself therefore to each other. But then it gets in the wife submit to the husband. Some of you can't even swallow that pill of submitting. I'll never submit to him. That's a witness in your community when you act like you do. I don't care how bad things are. It takes two to tango. In all of our relationships, we need to have love and forgiveness demonstrated like that of Hosea, that of Christ. Ephesians 5.1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do we love like that today? Do we forgive like that today? You know, the disciples asked Jesus, well, how much do I need to love and forgive people? And Jesus basically basically said there's no end to love and forgiveness. It doesn't end. And Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Jesus said as many as seven times, or he said as many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times seven. In other words, no end. That's what Jesus was alluding to, no end to my love and forgiveness. But so many times we get these excuses. Oh, Gomer, she slept on, on me and I don't need to treat her that way. She don't deserve my love. We don't deserve Jesus' love. If I keep forgiving uh, him, uh, I simply affirm his pattern of sin. Maybe if you forgive him and love him, it'll change him. If I keep forgiving, she'll think she can get away with anything she wants. How many of us have said that? I can't let her buy with it. She, if I let her buy with that, she's going to do it again. Others say if I keep forgiving, it's like putting my seal of approval on their behavior. No, it didn't. My kids know what I believe. Or I can't take another hurt like that. If they do that one more time, I'm done. But we we do that. I don't see that with Hosea. I definitely don't see it with Christ. What about offenses that we take 
at work or different places. Allegations set against us. Sometimes I think we worry about what people think more than what God thinks. What people think move you more than what God thinks? You know, major offenses like Gomer, that would be hard to forgive and forget and to love. But he pressed in. Another thought here, forgiveness does not necessarily mean that we must suffer in silence. We must talk about offenses in a constructive way. Hosea wrote a book about it. Hosea shared his heart. I'm not telling you to be silent. I'm not telling you to keep taking it. I'm telling you to love and forgive. Talk about it. Pray about it. Get a friend around you. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean we cannot take positive steps to guard against sin or recurring sin. In other words, if you're taking a beating, I don't expect you to stay and take a beating. But you can forgive and you can still try to love. We can get counseling, lifestyle changes. We do different steps. And I'm running out of time, so I'm jumping through these things. There's too much to talk about. But my point is here today, what excuses have we given the Lord not to serve him? But what excuses have we given the Lord is not to tell others? Man, look what they did to my family. Look what they said about my kid. Hosea loved and forgave the wife that wasn't lovable or forgivable. And we need to forgive ourselves and love ourselves and walk in total unity with Christ and tell others because the land is dry. Amen? Stand to your feet. And Lord, I pray that this mess or, or words that I've said, not your word, is not a mess, but, but Father, I ask that you clear up and let be spoken to each ear what needs to be heard today. But Father, uh, minister to our hearts through this this week. Father, show us. Show us, Lord. The Lord's recalling to me, we'll have a move of God this week at Kansas City VBS. We'll have a move of God when we go to Liberia. We'll have a move of God when we put ourselves in a place to receive it. And that's what the Lord keeps showing me. The move of God we're going to experience this week in Kansas City VBS, if we prepared our hearts for that every day, we would see the same revival in our lives. If we got up every day and prayed and were seeking the Lord and prayed and that we would come into encounter with people that we could minister to, whether it be our wife or children, whoever's around us, if we were open to that, we would see moves of God every day. We're going to see a move of God because we're all committed to going. 
We're going to pray and read our word every morning. We're going to seek God for discernment. We're going to ask God to use us, and he will. I'm asking you to do that all the time. But part of the reason that I think the Lord keeps coming back to a a double-edged sword here on the messages is a lot of us, our hearts aren't right with God, so how can we tell others about Christ? And so today, you may have been ministered today that maybe you're Gomer, and you're an adulterous person with the Lord right now. Maybe you're been uh, living in things, and, and when I'm saying that, a lifestyle of sin that you know is wrong. Maybe you need to give that back to the Lord today because he's saying, I still love you and and I will forgive you, but you've got to repent and get your heart right with me. So if that would be anyone here today, that's the first altar call. But the second is is that, that we realize the power and authority that God has given us to go out and tell about him. Tell Ben... People are dying and going to hell because we're not talking like we could, because we're not being witnesses like we can be. Man, just being the the father and mother. I get it all the time with mom and dad. uh, People come up, man, they're great godly people. And half of them don't know them, but they've seen them around the community and they live that lifestyle. I can remember as a little kid that that mom and dad never fought, never heard them fight, and they're probably over there laughing. But, but yeah, we have. But I know it's just mainly her fault, right, Dad? Yeah, yeah. But I remember one day that they fought, and they I heard them, and that's probably the first time I heard them. And I cried all night because I was worried my mom and dad were going to get a divorce. I heard them one time fight my whole life like that. And it shook my world. And anyhow, I don't know why I said that today. Me and Karen never guarded from that. We always just tried to let it be who we were and whatever was going on, the kids saw. But either way, I don't know why I said all that. Where's your heart with God today? Where's your heart with God? You got things that you need to examine. Guys, I've got things I've already given to the Lord. I've already said, Lord, take these things. Actually, two things. That, that the Lord's dealt with me about this week in preparation for this. And it's not that I'm a bad person. It's just I want to be a better person for the Lord. I want a better relationship with him. I want to experience the totality of God now and not wait till I get to heaven. Amen. And so God just wants all of us. He's jealous. He, he wants all of us. That's a good thing. He wants all of you today. He wants every part of you. He wants the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he's going to take care of you. That's a pretty cool thing, I think. So let's just surrender to him and say, God, here I am. I don't want to be like Israel. Here I am, Lord. Lord.